Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Good morning. Hey, and thanks for all your greetings on Facebook and Twitter and so on. It's, it's so funny. Um, you know, I, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, and so I've got my computer set up to where someone, when someone posts to me on Facebook, you know, I get the email coming in. And so I've got like this weekend hundreds of emails coming in. And it's just kind of fun watching people from my distant past, like young 20s, to, to, current, you know, to all the churches, different things, to all the things just kind of coming together. So thanks so much for uh, your love and affection. I appreciate it. Uh, it's good to be back this week. You know, I was supposed to be back last week, and then I got called to jury duty. And uh, you know how jury duty, I'm in Ventura County, so you know how jury duty goes. You go and you put in your day, and, and then they, you go home, right? You take a book, you, you take your work, whatever you do. And so I was so surprised when, when I got called in that, to be actually p- part of a jury pool on this one particular trial. And they, they had 67 of us to, to go in this room in order to get 12 jurors. And I'm thinking, you know, what are the chances? And, and so uh, sure enough, it gets down to they have 11 jurors that have been approved, and everyone else has been dismissed but seven of us. And I start to have that feeling that you got in the movie Runaway Jury. You know, it's like, like this is destined. You know, and sure enough, I've got chosen. So it was, a, it was a rear end collision case, and the lady was suing for $48,000. And so we gave her 16, gave her a third. And uh, so it's good to be back uh, with you this week. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, new program. You got the new program. Now, I've been in church long enough to know that anytime you do something new in a church, there's some people who love it and some people who hate it. So, uh, so, so he says, get over it. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> He's obviously got one of my emails before. Uh, no, it's, uh, but it's funny. That what we wanted to do is design a new program that's really clear about, for, for, especially for new people coming in, uh, who we are, what we're about, what our vision is at church, and, and, and kind of our process, what we call our growth path, to help you get there. So if you open it up, you'll see that in this, this left side, we've got our vision statement. We talk about our, our, our vision, what we're trying to do, and at least just moving a passionate Christ followers. And then, and then across it, you've got our, what we call our growth path here, that, that these are the steps that we're going to grow together become passionate Christ followers. And so uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're doing that. You'll notice that you have a smaller uh, insert for the message notes, which means it does not mean the sermon will be shorter. Um, I know some of you are getting your hopes up, but uh, just going to tell you right off the bat, uh, we're not sure this is enough notes. I've already got some criticism on that. Well, this is not enough notes. So, uh, uh, so I know that there's some of you here who like never take notes. Um, and then some of you here are like writing all the time over everything. And so, so we'll figure that out. We'll explore this, how this goes. So, uh, but anyway, I just want to acknowledge that, that there is a, a major change <laughs> at Rocky Peak. We've got a new program. Wow. Uh, okay, I think that's it. Uh, we're going to go into our time of teaching if you're ready to go. Are you all ready to go? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing here at this church, God, and that you really are unleashing a movement of, of passionate Christ followers. You're, you're teaching us week by week what it means to, to follow you, to listen to your spirit, to be transformed, to become like you, and then to be an influence and an impact for you in, in our lives, our families, our community, out in the world outside. And so we pray today as we, we enter into this brand new series, uh, it's all about your spirit, what it means to follow your spirit, that you would speak in a powerful way in these next six or seven weeks. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our story, uh, our story begins today in the city of Jerusalem. We're going to go back in time, a couple thousand years. It's shortly after the start uh, of the movement of Jesus. And, and so um, we're just probably two or three years out. We're not sure exactly how long. 
But, but the movement is going strong, and literally thousands and thousands of people have come to Christ in, in the city of Jerusalem. And they're all Jews, right? They're all, the whole movement of Jesus is all Jewish. And then, so they're all Jews, and they've come to Christ. Um, and so hundreds of house churches are popping up all over the city of, of Jerusalem. And, and so the religious authorities in the city, the Jewish religious authorities, are getting upset with this. And so they unleash a major persecution. And we're told about this in Acts chapter 8. And so what happens is the church is, for the most part, is, is forced to, to run for their lives. But, but as they run, of course, the good thing is God's using this to take the message of Jesus and spread it out in, into the world. And so one of the young leaders, one of the new leaders that God's raised up to help lead this movement is a man by the name of Philip. And so Philip is an incredibly gifted guy. We don't, we don't know a lot about his story. We don't know a lot about his background. We don't know a, a lot about uh, how he came to Christ. But he's an incredibly gifted guy. We're told he has gifts, uh, supernatural gifts of wisdom. He, he has gifts of teaching. He has gifts of evangelism. And, and God uses him to do miracles as well. And so, so he's one of the guys that's forced to flee from Jerusalem. And so he does something that no one else uh, so far has, has done, at least we know. He, he takes the message of Jesus to non-Jewish people people, okay? And so he, he goes 35 miles north of Jerusalem to the city of Samaria, which is one of the main centers where Samaritans live, which, you know, are considered like half-breeds, heretics, uh, Jews can't get along with them, hate them, uh, no, no dealings. And, and he has the gall to take the message of Jesus to Samaritans. And so he, he starts sharing Christ, he starts doing miracles, and, and these Samaritans, they start coming to Christ, you know? And so news gets back to the, to the apostles who are still hanging out in Jerusalem, that the Samaritans are coming to Jesus. And, and they're like, what? Samaritans can't come to Jesus. You know, this is just for Jews. And so uh, they're going to send two of their brightest, two of their best, uh, to, to go down there and see what in the world is going on. And so they send the apostle Peter and John, two of the top three leaders in the early church, they send them to, to this 35-mile track to, to the city of Samaria to, to find out what is going on. And so when they get there, we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Today we're, uh, we're continuing this series that we started last April. Uh, and for those of you who are new, this series is called... Um, What's it called? Freedom. That's right. It's called Freedom. And we're actually entering today into phase two of the series, second section, kind of mini-series called The Spirit. And uh, for those of you who are near here, what, what happened is last April, uh, we, we started this series, and then at the end of June, we ran into a major financial crisis as a church. And, and as we sought God what to do about that, I really felt like I was put on our heart that we, we needed to do it, stop this series, kind of do a new series. And so we did an eight-week series called The Journey of Generosity. And, and in that series, God met us in a powerful way as a church. And, and he not only met our financial need, but I think more importantly, he took us to a whole new level, understanding what it means. To, to give all we are, all we have to Christ. And, and so God used that. So, but now it's back in the fall and jury duty's over. And so it's now time to get back to our original series of, of freedom. And so what I want to do is just take a couple seconds, if you're brand new or if you were here back then but you've forgotten everything we learned, which is probably most of us, uh, let's, kind of, let's step back. What, what this series is about 
Uh, it's a study of a letter from the Apostle Paul to some churches that he and his ministry buddy, a man named Barnabas, had, had started uh, a short time before. And so what had happened, they'd got into the Roman province of Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. Okay, And they, they got in, they shared the message and movement of Jesus that had never happened before. And, and they share this message that, that if you want a relationship with God, you can have one. That it, doesn't depend, it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter how you've screwed up in your past. It doesn't matter if you're religious or not. If you want a relationship with God, you can have one based not on your performance, based not on your, your religion, based not on your ritual stuff, but based on what Jesus did for you in his, his death and resurrection on the cross. And so they, they share this message, and people start coming to Christ. The Holy Spirit starts coming in their life, changing them from the inside out. Churches are planted. Miracles are happening. It, it's amazing. Well, of course, Paul and Barnabas eventually have to leave. And after they leave, some new teachers come in, some false teachers, some Jewish teachers, and basically they bring a different message. And what they say is, hey, it was really good you, you listened to Paul. I mean, it's good you believe in Jesus. He is the Messiah. But, but if you truly want a relationship with God, you truly want to be right with God, it's not enough just to believe in Jesus. You need to do what God's people have always done. You need to follow the laws that God gave the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. So you need to be circumcised. You need to follow the dietary laws. You need to celebrate the holy days. That, that, that's what you need to do. Well, of course, these new believers now are thoroughly confused who to believe, and they're in great danger because if they buy into this new teaching that it's about their efforts, their circumcision, their, you know, it's about if our relationship with God's based on what we do, we're sunk because we're no longer trusting in what Jesus did, we're trusting in what, what we did. So Paul writes this passionate letter we call Galatians, and, and it's a letter that's all about freedom. And that's why we call this series Freedom, because what Paul says, no, you don't get it, is through Jesus, we've been set free. We've been set free from our past. All crimes committed against the king have been forgiven. Uh, we've been set free from the old-style religious kind of uh, rules and rituals of religion, that we can have a true relationship with God. And we've been set free from our dark side, our fallen human nature that's so destructive, and that we can, we're set free to live the life that God's called us to live. This is that Jesus came to give us, okay? And so that's where we've been in Galatians. Well, now as we move into the second section of Galatians, Paul's going to move on to the second section, and basically what he's going to say is the key to you and I experiencing this life that Jesus came to give us, this freedom, the key, catch this, is learning to listen and to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our life, okay? And so we're going to spend seven weeks on this as we, as we go through the second half of Galatians chapter 5 as Paul unpacks this incredibly important teaching about what it means to be a Christ follower. It's just, I'm so excited about this. And I tell you, I'm excited about this as a church because I feel like God was beginning, has been, has been teaching us for the last several years to, to begin to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Increasingly, this last series we went through, I feel like we took some big steps in that. And I think we're ready as a church to move on. And I'm excited about this because when a church begins to understand and listen and depend and lean and follow the Spirit, I mean, that's when God begins to move in our lives, right? So I'm very excited about this. So um, here's what I want to do. There in your note sheet, you have a section that's called uh, The Gift of the Spirit, a quick review. And what I want to do is instead of jumping right into Galatians 5, 
uh, Paul has already done some teaching on the Holy Spirit uh, earlier in Galatians. And I want to go back and look at one passage in particular that's really important and foundational to kind of set up our teaching later in chapter 5. Okay, so the passage is in chapter 3 and verse 13. So let's turn there, Galatians 3.13. Okay, so uh, 3.13, Paul says, Christ redeemed us or he rescued us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And so, so this is the core message of what we call the gospel, the good news, is that, that, that before we came to Christ, that, that we've all rebelled against God in, in our own way, haven't we? And so as a result of that, uh, uh, God says there's a curse on our life. Uh, there, there's a curse on our life. There's a judgment on our life for our rebellion against the king. And so the reason Jesus came was to take that curse for us. And so, so when he went to the cross, he took the curse that was upon us and we, we placed it upon him. He became our substitute. And so we call this the great exchange, you know, the great exchange, that, that he takes our curse and we take his righteousness. It's like a bank account. Uh, he, he takes over our bankrupt account and, and we receive, we, we become like a co-signer on his account that's just fully maxed out, you know, fully funded, okay? And so that's what he's saying. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written in the Old Testament, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. And so he went to the tree, he was hung on the tree on the cross to take our curse. And so he redeemed us or he rescued us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Let's talk about this. Uh, When God starts his plan to rescue the human race, back in the Old Testament, 2,000 years before the time of Christ, he comes to the man Abraham, right? And he calls Abraham to follow him. And the plan is is that through Abraham, God is going to create a nation through which he is going to bring a rescuer of the human race, the Messiah. And so when he goes to Abraham, he calls him to follow him. And he says, this is in Genesis 12, he says, if you follow me, I will bless you in all these ways. But one of the blessings was that through you, all the nations of the world will one day be blessed. And and that was a reference, it was a prophecy about the coming of the rescuer, the Messiah. And so so, so Paul says, it's, it's through Christ now that we receive the blessing of Abraham. That's what he was talking about. But look what this blessing entails. It, it, not, it doesn't just entail our forgiveness. It entails something else. So it says he redeemed us in verse 14, in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the what? Okay, and I want you to catch this. This is huge. As Christians, we've often missed this, and it's really big. If I were to ask you, why did Jesus come and die on the cross? My guess is that for most of us, what we would say is Jesus came to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven, right? Now, that is a true statement, but it doesn't go far enough. See, the reason that Jesus came to die on the cross was so that you could be forgiven so that you could receive the blessing of the Spirit. You see, are you, are you with me in this? In other words, the cross is a means to an end. The, the cross, that, that we couldn't be reunited with God, God couldn't come and live in us by his Spirit until the sin issue was dealt with. That's what the cross was about. 
But once the curse was taken, it opened up the door for God to invade our lives and to live in us by the power of his spirit. Are you with me in this? That is why Jesus came and he died. He died so we could be forgiven, so that we could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, often in Christian circles, we don't understand this because we've lost our sense of biblical history. But, but if you look at this, in the Old Testament, it was prophesied that one day God would make a way for forgiveness to come and that one day God would make a way for his spirit to come and live inside of us, you see? And so when Jesus came, that's what it was about. In fact, in John chapter 7, Jesus said one day that, that he who believes in me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then John comments and says he was talking about the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given because because Christ had not yet been glorified. Are you with me? So historically, we, we often look at the Holy Spirit as kind of a personal thing. No, we need to stand back globally and look at the history of the human race. When we rebelled against God, we lost our connection with God, and God began to set a plan in motion to restore, so God could dwell with us again, live in us, change us, empower us. And, and so at once, once Christ died, it opened the door for God to invade our lives, you see, for the coming of the Spirit. Now, that's why in the book of Acts, it's the, the, the coming of the Spirit is such a big deal. And, and in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes, not just to the early church in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, but whenever the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, when he invades a new racial social or religious group of people, a new kind of people, it's why Luke makes a big deal about it. And so, for example, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes to the church, right? We know that story. But in Acts chapter 8, the second time it happens is Acts chapter 8. And this is a story we started the day with, the story of Philip. So, so Philip leaves Jerusalem. He, for the first time, takes the message of Jesus to a new social, racial, religious group, the Samaritans. They're half-breeds. They're half-Jewish. They've intermarried. They're heretics. They're kind of cultish-type religion. So he takes the message to this new group. And so he goes down. He shares the message of Christ. They, they buy in. They decide to become Christ's followers. And the, 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 the apostles back in Jerusalem go, what? Christ followers? Samaritans? No, this is for the Jews. So they send Peter and John down there to check it out. And when they get there, Philip's doing miracles. Obviously, God's, you know, go, uh, uh, here. And they're like, well, maybe so. And so let's see what happens. So they lay their hands on these new believers, and it says they receive the Holy Spirit. So in a powerful way, the Holy Spirit comes in their life. And so all of a sudden, you catch what this means. It's like, they're, they're like, are you kidding me? The Holy Spirit comes to Samaritans, right? Like God's moving in and living with the Samaritans, we thought he hated the Samaritans, you see? And so, so what Luke is telling you, he's watching the, the, the Holy Spirit jump fences, jump boundaries. The next time it happens is in Acts chapter 10, just a two chapters later. The, the God tells the apostle Peter to go and share the message of Jesus with, with a Gentile Roman army officer and his family. And, and so as Peter does this, right in the middle as he's sharing the story, the Holy Spirit falls on this large group of people that are Gentiles. I mean, people that the, the Jews thought would never could come to Christ. They could never have the Messiah. And, and, and what does it prove? It, what it proves is that God has fully accepted them, that, that God has forgiven them, that they're part of God's. It's, are you with me here? The sign of the Holy Spirit is the ultimate sign that someone has truly been forgiven 
and, and truly come to Christ and truly become a child of God. So, so that's what had happened to the Galatians. In fact, in chapter 3 of Galatians, Paul talks about when you came to Christ, you believed in Christ, and, and right away you received the Holy Spirit, which is proof that the message I brought you about the death of Christ is the right message because the reception of the Holy Spirit is the ultimate proof God's accepted you as part of his, his family, all right? And so, so that's where we've been in Galatians so far, that, that Paul has laid the found, foundation that through the death of Christ, that this opened up a way for God to invade the human race and that the sign of the Spirit coming in a person's life is the ultimate sign that you've been born again and that you're truly a child of God. Now, in chapter 5, he wants to take us to the next level. So, so because of the death of Christ, we've been forgiven. Because of the death of Christ, we are truly free from our past, free from the rituals that have a real relationship, and free to move into our future. But how do we move into that freedom? Like, like how is Christ, how do we move in this life God's, that Christ died to give us? And Paul's gonna say the answer is we have to learn how to listen now and follow the leading of the Spirit who's invaded our life. So, so let's, uh, let's jump in in chapter five. In verse 16, we're going to go through verse 21. And so Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit. Uh, literally in the Greek, uh, it says walk by the Spirit. Uh, in other words, follow the leading of the Spirit. That's the idea. Uh, down in verse 25 later, he'll say, uh, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Same idea. So he says, live by the Spirit. Now, follow the, the, the leading of the Spirit in your life and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now catch this. Here's what these Jewish false teachers were teaching. They were teaching, great, you've come to Christ, but in order to mature, to grow up spiritually, to move into freedom God has for you, the key is to follow the Old Testament law. If you'll do that, you'll be free, and you won't fall into this old fallen, evil, kind of dysfunctional old human nature. Paul says, no, that's not how it works. Here's the key. He says, live by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's, that's the key. And then he goes on, and he talks about the sinful nature. And he talks about what happens to us when we come to Christ. And we'll, we'll talk about this more later. But he says, the sinful nature, now this would be, this would be your fallen nature. Uh, literally, in the Greek, it's your flesh, which doesn't refer so much just to your physical body, but it deals to your whole, kind of who you were before you came to Jesus with its whole perspective, kind of anti-God perspective, okay, as we'll see later. But he says, for the sinful nature, uh, it, has, it desires what is contrary to the spirit, and, and the spirit what is contrary to to the sinful nature. So, so when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in you, he's creating new desires, but you saw this old nature that still is kind of pulling you towards the old things. We'll talk more about that later. And so they're in conflict with each other, so you cannot do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, uh, you're not under the law. So the false teachers are saying, hey, you know, if you want to grow up and be mature, you need to follow the law. And Paul says, no, if you're led by the Spirit, you don't need the law anymore. And now to help us understand what this fallen nature looks like, this, this nature that we were born with, that kind of leads to death, leads to destruction, leads to dysfunction, uh, kind of fallen human nature, uh, he's going to give us 15 examples uh, of what this looks like. Now, they're sort of random. I mean, he could have given us 25, he could have given us 9, but he, he chooses 15. Uh, but he kind of groups them, and he starts off with, verse 19, he starts off with some sexual examples, kind of fallen, you might call it fallen sexuality. We'll talk about this more next week. 
But he says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. In other words, like you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out uh, what's right and wrong. Um, he says, but he gives us three examples. So sexual immorality, so that would be sex outside of marriage. Uh, impurity, kind of a general term for illicit sexuality. And debauchery, which is kind of like a wild sexuality, kind of a blatant sexuality, kind of a girl's gone wild type of thing. Uh, not that I've ever seen that, but... Uh, <laughs> But I asked some of the other pastors, they said that'd be a good illustration. Um, That's what JD said, I think. Anyway, uh, so, and then he gives us a couple, now he's going to give us a couple examples of fallen spirituality. Okay, so remember I said acts of the flesh, it's not just physical, it's, it's a whole perspective. And so he's going to give us a couple examples of fallen spirituality. And so he says idolatry, you know, which is kind of making anything else uh, other than God our, our ultimate highest value in life, okay? Idolatry. Uh, witchcraft, so kind of a, a, a interest in the supernatural but on the dark side. Okay, now he's going to move in, so he's given us some sexual fallenness, he's given us some... Uh, 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 spiritual fallenness. Now he's going to give us some social fallenness, uh, some relational issues, and he's going to give us eight examples. He said that this is what our fallen human nature just naturally gravitates towards, and, and you've seen this in life. We see it in world politics. We see it in our offices where we work. You see it in your extended families, whatever. Uh, he goes on and he says, so here's an example. Uh, hatred, uh, discord, like not getting along, uh, jealousy, uh, fits of rage, so, so anger, uh, selfish ambition, kind of putting ourselves first, dissensions and factions, splits, fights, and envy, okay? And then he ends up with a couple, just sort of kind of throw in, oh yeah, here's a couple more, uh, drunkenness, kind of partying, and, and orgies, and the like, okay? So he's just, you know, that kind of a thing, right? So, so what he says, is, he, says uh, he says, what I'm saying is, is when you come to Christ, you, you've got this new thing going on inside of you, the Holy Spirit, but you've got this old fallen nature. And, and let me tell you kind of what I mean by fallen nature. Let me give you 15 examples. And he just kind of lays some out. And, and in the coming weeks, we'll, we'll look more uh, closely at that because, because one of the, the goals of this series is to help us learn as followers of Jesus, we need to recognize our fallen nature so we stop defending it. Right? We need to recognize it like, oh, that's the fallen nature. I don't want to go be going that way. You know, because well, one of the things we do is we defend our fallen nature, and we, and we never follow the Spirit while we're defending what's fallen. And so we're going to spend more time. We're going to look at that. We're going to explore that. But for today, Paul's just laying this thing out. You, know, you become followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's come in your life. He's changing you from the inside out. He's creating new desires. Hey, but you still have these old desires, and the key, the key to moving into freedom is following the, the leading of the Spirit in, in your life. And here's some examples of what that looks like or what it does look like, okay? So, so that's kind of the, the passage. Now, here's what I want to do. In the time that we have, I, I want to focus in on three major, big picture, spiritual truths that are absolutely vital for us to get under our belt if, if we're going to move on in this series and understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, okay? And so there on your note sheet, uh, you got three, three truths. Uh, it's called the path to freedom, following the Spirit. Let's jump in. The first one is the most obvious and the most basic, and, and yet in some ways uh, the most important, and it's where we need to begin. That the first thing Paul wants us to understand is if you're a Christ follower here today, you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you've given your life to Christ, you've asked him to come in, take over your life, forgive you of your sins, you've made that decision. If you're a Christ follower, then you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit in your life. 
Right? So that's where we need to begin. Now, in other words, that, that if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you have received what Paul called earlier the blessing of Abraham. You have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and that, in a sense, this is the ultimate sign that you are a true follower of Jesus, a true child of God. And, and I want to I uh, take you back to something that Paul said earlier in Galatians that we looked at uh, a few months ago, back in Galatians 4 and chapter uh, 4 and verse 6. Let's, let's go back there for just a second. <laughs> Galatians 4 and verse 6. Paul says something very profound about what it means to be a follower of, of Jesus. He says in, in verse 6, he says, because you are sons. Now, of course, he's writing to these Galatians who have given their life to Christ. Because you're sons, you've been born again, you've come to believe in Christ. God sent the spirit of his son, okay, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He's into our hearts, the spirit who calls out what? Uh, calls out what? Abba. Abba. Remember, that's the Aramaic word for, for daddy. It's a very intimate word, like a, a little child would use for his father. Uh, papa. It's like papa. He says, so, so because you are sons, because you've come to Christ, you've received the blessing of Abraham. And so what happens is that when you come to Christ, one of the first things is supernatural, is the holy, that God sends the spirit of his son into your life. The spirit of Jesus, complete with his DNA, comes into your life. That, that's what happens. He says, and, and, and he says, um, and so what happens is that when the Holy Spirit, when you, when you become a Christian, and, and the Holy Spirit comes in your life, one of the first things that happens is, is that he begins to open your eyes to new spiritual truth, doesn't he? And, and one of the first things that he, he shows you, and, and no one has to tell you this, it's just intuitive. It's intuitive. The, the moment you give your life to Christ, you sense that something has changed at a core level in your relationship with God. That, that God is no longer your enemy. He's no longer the one you fear like he's out to get you. God has become your father. Now, now for some of you, I realize you became a Christian when you were two and a half years old. And so you don't really remember this change. But, but if you came to Christ later in life, you remember this. That the moment the Holy Spirit came in you, he began to do his thing. One of the things he does is he opens our eyes to who Jesus is. He opens our eyes to who, that we have a new relationship with God, a new sense that, that we're forgiven. He begins to put new desires in our heart, doesn't he? The things that we didn't want to do before, we now want to do. Things that we did want to do. Uh, we don't want to do. Things that we once saw as right, we now see as wrong. Things we once saw as, as wrong, we now see as right. right? And it's, it's like no one's like jamming this down our throat. It's just, it's, like, it's just like natural. It's like a tree just pushing out new leaves and pushing out the old, right? And, and this happens. Now, now, we're not totally changed overnight. We still have the old. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But, but there's this newness that comes, isn't there? And, and that's what Paul's saying, is that, is that when a person comes to Christ, that's what happens, you receive the blessing of Abraham. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, remember what I said earlier. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Well, you can't, you, one way to define it is to say a follower of Jesus is someone who believes that Jesus died for their sins. That's one way to define it. But another way to define it is it's someone who has received the Spirit of Jesus in their life. So, like, like if you have not received the Spirit of Jesus, 
you aren't a follower of his. This is the New Testament definition of a Christian is someone who has received the spirit of Jesus. Are you with me in this? And this is critical for us to understand this. Now, I want to show you just a couple passages real quick that highlight this in the New Testament. There's, of course, many, but uh, 1 Corinthians 12, there on your note sheet, Paul says something really profound. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God can say, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by what? The Holy Spirit, okay? So what he's saying is, he's obviously he's not saying no one can mouth the words. Like anyone can mouth the words. Jesus is Lord, you know? Uh, that's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is no one can say that with conviction. No, no one can say, I've come to the place in my life I believe Jesus is the creator of the universe. He is the son of God, that he is the Lord of creation, and I've given my life to him. No one can say that without a supernatural work of God in their life that comes in and opens their eyes to see who Jesus is. Are are you with me in this? This is supernatural. You remember what it was like before you came to Christ. You thought Christians were idiots right? It's like, who, how can anyone believe that? And then the Holy Spirit comes in our life, and it's like, where have I been all my life? This is so clear. It's so obvious. What's happened? The Holy Spirit has come in our life. That's what Paul's saying. Uh, look at the next passage in Romans 8. Paul says, you, talking to the Christians at Rome, you, however, you're not controlled by the sinful nature. Literally in the Greek, it's the flesh. Same word as in sinful nature as in Galatians 5. So you're not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not what? Belong to Christ. Okay, can you get much clearer than that? It's like the, the, the blessing of Abraham is the ultimate proof that you have been born again, that you've come to Christ, that you're a child of God, that you're forgiven, that the message of Jesus is true. Okay, that's it. Okay, so that's right. So what does that mean for us here as a church? What I'm trying to do is wake us up to the reality. What I'm going to do is wake us up to spiritual reality. And what this means is if you are a follower of Jesus, what it means is that God has invaded your life by the Holy Spirit. Now, you may be aware of it. You may not be aware of it. But, but inside of you, your body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's invaded your body. That God himself has come to live in you. And what that means is that you have everything you need. Catch this. You have everything you need to follow Jesus well into this life of freedom. Now, you may not be aware of it. Uh, sometimes, I think as Christians, we're not really aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me kind of run by two or three reasons why. Uh, I think sometimes it's because of disobedience. Have you ever noticed that when you're living in disobedience, your sense of the Holy Spirit starts going down, 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 right? And when you're living in obedience, you're following his leading in your life, that your, your passion for God is growing, you're becoming more and more aware. Yeah, sure. And so, so sometimes we can disobey God for so long that the fire of the Holy Spirit is like put out in our life. Remember what it says in Thessalonians, don't quench the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes, so sometimes we've been disobeying for so long, it's like, well, where's the Holy Spirit in my life? I don't sense him any longer. Eh? He's still there, but it's like he's, he's like undercover, you know? Uh, for, for some of us, um, I think the reason we don't experience, I think this is probably the number one reason 
why most Christians leaving a mediocre life are not experiencing the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit is a lack of surrender in our life. That, that we still want to run our own life. We still have one foot in the kingdom, one one foot in. And so we go to God, we ask his advice, and if we like it, we take it. If we don't, we do our own thing. And so we're kind of, we're kind of following our old nature half the time, following the spirit half the time. We, we've not really come to a place of, hey, God, I'm all in. And I, I find that when a person comes to a place, say, everything I have, everything I am is yours, that all of a sudden they begin to experience the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it, a, second, a second reason. I think a third reason is, is ignorance. I think sometimes we just haven't been taught this stuff. You know, I, I was talking to a lady the other day, and she was talking about in her life and how she's been taught all her life, not all her life, but in a, for a significant period of her life, could, to not pay attention to your own spiritual experience. Like, don't, don't base your relationship with God on your own personal experience. Base your, your relationship with God on the Word of God only. Can I tell you, that is false teaching. What, what, what we're taught in the New Testament is we're to test our experience by the Word of God to make sure we don't get off track. But the, the New Testament is all about holding on to the Word of God and holding on to your personal experience. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, that's Paul's whole argument. He says, hey, I'm sharing the true gospel with you. If you have any questions of that, look back in your life of what you happened when you believe in Jesus and how the Holy Spirit came in. That's proof, you see? And so, so sometimes we just need to be taught that you do have the Holy Spirit. How is he leading you? What is he saying? You know, one of the things that excites me right now is that I feel the last few years, it's coming to a head. We've been teaching a lot here on the Holy Spirit, on learning to listen and to le- follow the leading of the Spirit. And, and, and I believe as a congregation, we're beginning to get this. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. And so we're starting to listen. And I was so encouraged in this last series as we went through the journey of generosity. And, and, and as we came that time to make our pledges, I said, listen, you go home, you ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to do. And if you're married, you talk to your spouse about They ask the Holy Spirit. Put your heads together. And, say, and I cannot tell you how many people said it was amazing. I, I went and here was this number. and It was way higher than I thought. It was lower than I thought. Whatever the number was. And I went and talked to my spouse and it was the exact same number. And so it, it was like a case study for us. It was a case study. In, in the midst of a crisis, God has your attention. And so we had an opportunity to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I believe in this series, we're going to take the next step in this process. Right? So sometimes it's because of ignorance. Sometimes the reason we don't experience the Holy Spirit in our lives is because we are too confident in our own ability to follow Jesus on our own. I think it's one of the most common ones. That, you know, we start off the Christian life and we're a mess. And so we just trust God to change us, and he does. But after two or three years in, we come to a place where we say, hey, you know what? Uh, Thanks, Holy Spirit, but I've kind of got it from now. I I got my act together, and I can do this. And so by our own willpower, our spiritual disciplines, whatever, we're going to shape and change our life and change ourselves. And so we we start taking responsibility for our growth instead of trusting God and the Holy Spirit for our growth. And so sometimes it takes us a while to learn through failure that you can try as much as you want, but if the Holy Spirit's not empowering, you're not going anywhere. It's like as Christians, we're sailboats, not motorboats. Like, and if he's not blowing, we're not going, right? <laughs> right. And, so, and so what I'm saying is there are reasons why we don't experience him more than we do. But here's what I want you to catch, and I want to nail it down on the authority of God's word that we've studied today. If you're a follower of Jesus, God's invaded your body. Yeah. 
right? You have the Holy Spirit, and you have everything you need to follow Jesus well and to move in the life of freedom, okay? Now, number two, the second thing that Paul wants us to understand is that following the Spirit is not always easy. Now, in a way, this kind of almost comes across as surprising, you know, because you'd say, wait a second, if God's moved into my body, if God's moved into my life, this should be easy, right? Because God's got, like, all the power in the world. But Paul says, no, that's not the way it works. He, he's moved into your life. He's changed you from the inside out. You've got all the power you need. But this, this following the spirit thing is not going to be easy. And the reason is you still have your fallen human nature with its magnetic pull towards the dark side. Okay? And so in, in 17, let's back, at, back in 517. This is the second thing he wants us to get. He says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature, and they're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. In other words, that as a Christ follower, yes, you have the Holy Spirit, and he is going to be creating new desires and new passions, but you still have this old fallen nature with this magnetic pull, and there's going to be times in your life there is a battle, and this is normal. Okay, this is the way you like, should it, should it be this way? Yes, it should be. This is the way there's, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight. Um, the Apostle Paul talks about this even in his own life. And this is the Apostle Paul, right? Kind of the kind of pinnacle of spirituality or whatever. Uh, there in your note sheet, 1 Corinthians 9, he says, therefore, he's talking about his own spiritual journey. He says, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. He says, my spiritual life, like I, I'm focused. I, I'm not just kind of jogging through my spiritual life. Like, no, this is a race. Uh, I, I'm running for the prize. I, I'm focused. He says, I do not fight like a man beating the air. And I'm not shadow boxing here. Okay? Uh, a few weeks ago, about a year ago, uh, I, I had some, some friends, relatives that, that were uh, buying this new exercise thing that was just so popular at the time called P90X. Any of you heard that, that thing? Yeah. And so, so I bought it, but I was still working on my doctor at the time, and so I decided this is not a time to, to get fit. And so uh, <laughs> that was my excuse for 2009. Uh, every year you got to find some, some reason. Uh, but uh, anyway, so, so this summer, I, I was up to the highest weight of my whole life, and so I decided this would probably be a good time. And so I, I started doing this P9X. Now, this is a pretty intense workout. You know, it's a seven-day-a-week, pretty intense kind of workout. And, and so I, I about died the first week, but, but, uh, but I didn't, so I continued. And so now I'm six or seven weeks into this thing. But anyway, uh, uh, one of the workouts on one of the days is called Kempo X, right? So Kempo X is like martial arts moves. That, that you're, you're, you know, blocks, punches, kicks, and that, that sort of thing. Now, if you were in my garage watching me, uh, this would be hilarious, right? <laughs> because I am like Mr. Non-Flexibility. So you're doing these kicks that are supposed to be at the chest or the waist of your opponent, and I'm more like kicking his big toe. You know, it's like, whoa, you know what? And so... Uh, so, so, so it's just, it's, it really is hilarious. In fact, Lynn comes out sometimes and starts bursting out laughing, um, especially on the yoga day. On the yoga day, I'm like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, like, you know, just, okay, give me a few years. Um, but anyway, on the Kempo X day, I mean, I'm out there and I'm working, you know. It's like you're throwing your punches, you're doing your blocks, you're doing your kicks, on you're working. Hey, but if anyone, it's like it's not a real fight, Right? It's not a real fight. Like, this is like a fake fight. 
You're just like, you're just boxing the air. It's not a real battle. And Paul says, hey, in my spiritual life, man, I'm not shadow box. I'm not doing Kempo X, you know? Like, like this is a real battle. Like I'm fighting for my life here, you see? So, so in other words, in our spiritual life, Paul says, this is what you should expect. There will be times in your life the battle will rage. There will be times in your life this will be hard. There will be times in your life where following the Spirit will feel like it's going to kill you. <laughs> there, there are going to be times in your life where everything within you is screaming, go one direction, and, and the Spirit's going, no, don't go that way. It's a path, to, and it's going to be hard, and obedience is going to be hard, and it's going to require a deep death, a deep death. You're going to have to go deep into the death of Christ. You're going to have to share his Christ, his death, in order to rise with his resurrection to the new life. Right? And so that's the second thing he wants to get to. you got the Holy Spirit. He's got his power. He's changing you. You've got everything you need. But there's going to be times it's going to be hard. Okay? Now, number three. Now, this is the most important point. This, kind of everything I've said the whole day leads up to this point. And it's kind of the main point of this series. And it, and it goes like this. That following the Spirit is the key to freedom. What Paul wants us to understand is you got the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's going to empower you. He's going to get everything you need. It's not always going to be easy, but trust me, the key to your new life, the key to you experiencing the life Jesus came to give you is learning to follow the leading of the Spirit. And I, I want to show you this um, in, in Galatians 5. We're just going to chase through a couple verses here uh, as he to follow his train of thought through the chapter. 5.1, he says, um, <coughs> 5.1, he says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So, so that Jesus came to free you from the old life, from, from the curse, uh, from uh, religion, uh, and from uh, your dark side. So it's for freedom that he's come to set us free. Now skip to verse 13. Uh, so you, my brothers, you are called to be free. That's our calling. As Christ's followers sitting in this room, Jesus came to free you up to live life the way it's supposed to be lived. That's what he came, okay? That's your calling, okay? Um, but he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. In other words, if you come to Christ, you receive that forgiveness, and you say, okay, so now I'm free to do whatever I want, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to follow the dark side. You see? He says, oh, you don't want to go there, because that's going to lead to ultimate bondage in your life. And so he says, what you want to do in verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit or walk by the Spirit, follow the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The key to escaping the landmines of the sinful nature that will destroy you in your life, the key is to follow the Spirit, okay? Because he will lead you around the landmines, all right? Now, now so, so in this passage, then, he gives us these, like, 15 examples of, of what the dark side looks like. And what I want to do is just take a couple minutes and flesh this out. Like, let's just kind of, we'll go more in this, in this series, but let's just take a couple minutes and show how this works. Here, here's what Paul is saying. He's given us some examples. He's given us 15 examples. He talked about sexual fallenness. He talked about spiritual fallenness. He talked about relational fallenness. So, so let me give you an example from, from you know, from, from, from each one of those things. Well, what he's saying is that, okay, as Christ followers, like, like, I know we're in church here, all right? But let's just be honest, at least with ourselves. As Christ's followers, you will have the Holy Spirit in you, and he is going to create a desire for sexual purity in your life. I, I, if, you're a, if you're a follower of Jesus here, one thing I know about you, you have a desire for sexual purity. 
I, I know that about you because you have the Holy Spirit, right? Doesn't mean you are sexually pure, but you have a deep desire for it, right? Because he's in you creating that. I know that about you. Now, here's what Paul says. But you also have a fallen human nature. And so what that means is Paul says, as you go through your life, there are going to be times if you're single, you, you are going to want to sleep with your boyfriend. If you're a businessman or woman, there are going to be times when you're approached on a business trip by an attractive person who offers you a one-night stand. If you uh, especially are a man, there's good chances you're going to be drawn late at night at times towards your computer screen to those sites you know you shouldn't go to. That, that if, you are a, if you're married, chances are over the course of your marriage, there will come a time when there's someone that you will meet on the job in a ministry situation or whatever that excites you, that draws you more than your spouse. Chances are you will go through that. Are you with me in this? That as Christ's followers, we have the Holy Spirit creating new passions, but we have the old magnetic pull, and we all deal with it, right? And so one of my goals in this series is let's just break down the walls, let's get real and get authentic, and let's quit pretending we don't, right? Let's just be honest that as Christ's followers, we have the Holy Spirit, but we have a fallen nature. And I have a fallen nature, and you have it, and we're all going to deal with this stuff. And so what Paul says is here's what's happened. He says, there's going to come a time in your life when everything within you, you're going to want to sleep with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're going to want to have that one night stand. You're going to want to turn on that computer. You're going to want to leave your wife or you want to get too close to the other. That's going to happen. You're going to have this magnetic pull. And when it happens, it's going to feel good and it's going to feel right and it's going to feel natural. And it's going to feel like if you pursue this, you will be free. And it will feel like true freedom is to go this direction. You see? And Paul says, and it is a lie. Because it will destroy your life. Because when you follow the magnetic pull of your old nature, it always, take it to the bank, produces death and slavery and bondage. Okay? Okay, let's take an example from uh, the spirituality, idolatry, making something in our life the ultimate value other than God, our top priority. As Christ's followers, chances are over the course of your life that this is going to happen to you, that you're going to wake up one day and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you and he's going to begin to show you that you've made this person, this relationship, this dream, this bank account, this job, whatever it is, they have become your God. And that your ultimate value in life is preserving, protecting, and pursuing that thing. And the Holy Spirit is going to say, I'm calling you away from that. I'm calling you to a whole new level of relationship. I'm calling you to freedom. And so I want you to surrender that person, that possession, that, that pursuit, whatever. I want, you, I want you to surrender to me. And, and everything within you is going to scream out and say, no, this is my ticket to ride. This is my ticket to happiness. This is freedom. If I can just get that job and if I can attain that person, if I can reach that goal, if I can get that possession, this is what makes life worth This is freedom. And Paul says, no, it's not. It will kill you. It will destroy you. It will damage your relationships. It will kill your life. It will ruin you. All right? One more example. Relational. We talked about social issues. Uh, 
One of the examples he gives is outbursts of anger. Uh, if you have an anger issue in your life, you know what this is like. Someone ticks you off. Uh, maybe it's your, your wife or your husband. You're, you're in marriage. And, and you know those times when you feel like you're about ready to explode. And you are right there, and you are ready to let him or let her have it. And everything within you feels strong, and you feel powerful, and you feel brilliant. Because you have the line that's going to destroy him or destroy her. And in that moment, everything within you says, this is freedom to take my life and to rule and to conquer. And Paul says, let me tell you something. That will not lead to freedom in your marriage. That will lead to bondage and destruction. Are you with me in this? And so, so this is what this is what we're going to be learning. This is what we're going to be pursuing in these seven weeks together in, in, in this chapter. It, is Paul is going to be laying this out for us really clear. If you're a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need to live life well. And, and God's called you to a life of freedom. It's not always going to be easy, but it's always going to be worth it because the key to your freedom is learning to discern and to follow the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And as you follow that, as you follow him, that he will lead you to freedom. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're, uh, we're so thankful to be here. We're so thankful for your word. Uh, God, I'm so thankful for this passage. Just love this passage. And this, that the secret to the Christian life, it's not rules, it's not rituals, it's not religion. That's not what it's about. The secret is learning to listen and to follow the leading of your spirit. What a beautiful thing that is. And God, as a church, we want to experience your spirit in a new way. And we pray today, we pray for a new outpouring of your spirit in our midst these next seven or eight weeks as we, we spend in Galatians 5. We pray that you would, you would reveal yourself in our lives. We would begin to sense your presence. We would sense your leading. If there's any area of our life we've been shining you on, we've been disobedient, we've been quenching the spirit, that we would surrender that, that we would begin to experience his power, his leading, his passions, changing us from the inside out, that we can move in this life of freedom that you died to give us. And so we pray that you'd lead us each individually by name, uh, each one in our own life, to a new experience of your spirit. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Father, that's what we, we desire as a church, that we want to be awakened by your spirit. God, we want to run hard into our future. We don't want to uh, jog through life. We don't want to uh, shadow box. Uh, God, we, we want to run hard uh, with you into the future that, that our lives would count, they would make a difference, that we would become the people you created us to be and that we could be an influence and an impact in this world that others would know and, and that we would take many with us into eternity. And so, God, we just pray that um, during these next uh, seven, eight weeks as we, we explore this, this topic, we, we pray that you would pour out your spirit. We pray you'd speak to us by name. If there's, if there's an area of our life that we've been paying, playing fast and loose with you, that we've been ignoring, we've been shutting our ears to your spirit, and, and therefore his work has become dormant in our life, God, we pray that, that we would trust you that you are always seeking our freedom. You're always seeking our best. And that this area, though it's hard to surrender, that we would do so. 
God, if we've never given our life to you, if we've never given our life to Christ, and, and we, we, we pray that you would just kind of move in their church and you would draw people to you for the very first time, they would surrender their lives, they would receive your gift of forgiveness and the blessing of Abraham, and they would start this journey with us. Uh, we pray that you draw people in the coming weeks, people that need to be here, people that need to hear this message, people that need to know that there is a power that's available to change their lives. God, and we pray that you just pour out your spirit supernaturally in the next seven or eight weeks that we would become more intent on the leading, the gifting, the power of your spirit. God, unleash passions in our life. God, we pray that you'd fill us with, with your love and your joy and your peace, with your faithfulness and your gentleness and your patience and your self-control and your courage. And God, that, that we would be people that are filled up to the full of your, your spirit, that, that the whole purpose of salvation would come true in our lives, that, that we would not just be people who are forgiven, but people that are remade, reborn, renewed, re-energized, recharged to live life well. And so, God, we pray that in these next couple months, you just pour out your spirit in our church in a new way and speak to us by name and lead us to a whole new level of pursuing you. We pray this in your name. Amen. I hope you can join us next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to this series, if you can't tell. Uh, that it's just going to be good. You know, it's week after week. It's just, just good stuff. And, and so next week we begin to delve into this magnetic pull that we all have to the dark side of our sexuality. Uh, uh, sexuality is a huge gift, great gift. We'll talk about that next week. But there's this pull we have to, to the dark side. And so we're going to explore that. Uh, next week. I hope you can be here uh, with us for that. Until then, may the Lord be with you. May he strengthen and lead and guide you and awaken in your heart a new passion for him and knowing him well this week. God bless. See you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.